Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This episode, we've got Kathy Escobar, who is the author of Faith Shift and has been on a journey of evolving her faith, deconstructing, reconstructing, whatever language you use for about 14 years. And so this is going to be a great conversation. So let's get into it. So tell me a little bit. I just, you know, I'm so out of so many loops. Mm, and so no, um, it was great to hear from you. And I looked um, a little bit on what you're doing and love the conversations that you're having. Um, yeah. And That's so you cool. were at Bethel, is that right? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah, about 12, okay. 10 years ago, something like that. Um, so okay. a long, long time ago. And I, and I was um, radically changing in my faith, probably even before I got there, or certainly as I got there. And so I was there for about four years. And by the end of it, I was like helping them write lit curriculum for their leadership development program and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't believe pretty much any of these. Um, so you're, you're left in this place of going, how do I write this in a way that I see it being healthier for someone reading this, but right. not so much that they immediately fire me. <laughs> you know? So you got to find this like shifting slowly, kind of helping people kind of come along baby steps, you know? Um, so that was a really crazy time of my life, a really fun time, but I was very alone in that process because you couldn't really stick your head above the uh, the sand, you know. I mean, it was not the environment to do that, and I yeah, and I did, sick. and and that's why I left ultimately. Is uh, too many people uh, um, butting heads, probably, but they're great. Is I love there an is there a network of people from Bethel who have kind of found each other after a deconstruction out of there? Kind of. There's, there's some groups. There's some like Bethel alumni groups for sure. Like there's the there's an LGBTQ plus um, Bethel group, which kind of it isn't explicitly that, but it kind of is. Right. <laughs> Once you start uh, right. identifying and going, you yeah, know, this is me. You've probably on some level deconstructed enough that at least you're not Bethel anymore. Um, but yeah, and the sort of that's a, quite a, a, a helpful group for people within that bubble um beyond that not really I, i'm trying to connect people one of the things i'm doing is connecting people and creating resources for people to find one another um, and so there's a lot more people popping up that have been through that that are connecting with one another um which is really great um yeah so it's, it's regionally based so it's kind of right. like if you're deconstructing you're losing your faith you're changing your faith whatever it might look like for mm -hmm. you you can connect with someone that's going through a similar process. They might not be at all on the same page, but there's something about even when you've come out of something, even if you're, what you've gone into isn't the same, there's a camaraderie there, right? There's a kind of thing of like, well, at least you know what it is to have come out of that concept of Christianity. Oh, for sure. No um, question. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to help people do is connect and figure out they're not alone because it's a really lonely process for a lot of people because generally speaking, we're not allowed to talk about this. We're not allowed to, you know, overly publicize, Hey, I'm going through this. And if we, if we were, we'd find out a whole host of us are doing it. And often half the church are doing it quite quietly. It's so true. It's so yeah. true. And it's really a change. You know, I've been doing this a long time and before it really wasn't as out there no absolutely and it's amazing what's happened and yeah. um and it's you know i think it's just going to keep picking up speed honestly absolutely. i think that it's it is not going back i think more and more and more and more people and eventually it'll be more people outside than inside yeah and that'll yeah. be really interesting to see you know what emerges from that because yeah. the structures are still really strong Mm -hmm. So I don't know. 
You know, I know that people do feel less alone because there are more people, you know, I was 14 years ago and there weren't as many people. Yeah, no, Um, I I felt utterly alone when I was doing it. And, you know, I could like, like you've got all these different movements. So I could, I could read a Brian McLaren book or Shane Claiborne or some of these kind of like progressive Christians, but that's still in some ways very fundamental in a lot of ways. Um, and it's still certainly within a certain bubble. Um, or I could, you know, maybe explore kind of the Rob Bells that had kind of gone off and they were like, we just didn't even know where they were at, you know? Although that was probably nearer the time. I don't know when he did Love Wins. What was that, like eight, nine years ago now? Or it's whatever it was, while, he kind of like yeah. stepped out of evangelical. But everyone was kind of like, well, we don't really know what he's doing, but we kind of like it. So let's do that. <laughs> um, so there was a few people that you could go, oh, so there's some people that do this. But you also go, yeah. And they got a farewell Rob Bell or, and yeah, they got, a, you know, like who wants to be treated like Brian McCrown is treated by the evangelical church, right? right? So there's an element of like, I can't even tell people I read his book. Never mind that I might think some of the things he thinks. Um, yeah. And so it was really very lonely. So I mean, 14 years ago, I, I mean, it has been, it feels like it's been quite a, like um, a, almost a logarithmic, logarithmic kind of like uptick though isn't it it's it's, because i I started helping people do this like eight years ago was when i started to kind of more publicly kind of helping people on this journey and it felt like no one was doing it that's why i did it i was like gosh there's no one doing this and there's a a million pastors for every kind of like million people it feels like in the church Mm -hmm. but as soon as you start needing some guidance or help or someone to just sit with you when you're coming out of that um there's no one it just felt Mm -hmm. Like you were just oh, it's so alone. true. Yeah, um, and it's now so that's true. not the case at all. Yeah, there are a on lot Instagram more. And everyone's right. kind of sharing their story and their journey. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah. So how? T- tell me, because I'm not massively familiar with you. I have to be honest. Um, I I, I wanted to read your book before I, I was off on holiday last week, and I was like, I'm gonna read your book before I get to. <laughs> I just didn't get a chance. We were on a family holiday, and it was insane. But the reason I contacted you was um because we have so many mutual friends. I think um Derek Day had said I had got to have you on. A whole bunch of my audience said, Can you have Kathy on? We'd love for you to chat with her and pick her brains. And so I was like, Oh, I need to talk to this person. But I'll be honest with you, I don't overly know why I need to talk to you. <laughs> so because I don't know too much about you. I've kind of read some bios. I listened to a couple of podcasts to try and um, pad it out a bit. Um, but tell me a bit about your journey. So you kind of said you've been doing this for about 14 years. That's like, you're like uh, like the old guards in this movement, right? I mean, that's a long well, time ago in this movement, it feels like. Um, so Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it, it kind of feels that way. I mean, there were people before me because course, 14 yeah. years ago um, when I bombed out of the big church staff and, you know, for me, a big piece of my story is that I, I wasn't raised evangelical. So mm. I was raised, uh, my divorced family, adult child of an alcoholic, super progressive, open, inclusive family in Northern California. Um, But it had a lot of complications. And so, and one of the complications was a little bit of a lack of any framework. Um, And so I was looking for connection and family, you know, a stable Mm. family and something to belong to. And so um, I was always kind of drawn to Jesus in a pretty pure way because I didn't go to church. So I never went to church as a kid, none of those things. I never went to youth group, you know, none of that. Um, But someone along the line gave me this little white Bible. I still have it in my box of mementos. And I started reading it because I was was like a journaler, kind of intense feeler person. And 
I would, um, I read the book of John. Someone told me to do that. And it was, you know, someone brought me to vacation Bible school. Sure. It's not like I didn't do anything, but it was not, nothing like caught hold yeah. system wise. And so I was just drawn to Jesus. I still am, you know, that's mm. the one thing in um, losing everything systemically and tons of theological constructs, there is something for me about the downward ways of Jesus that I'm yeah. personally drawn to. And so uh, it just kind of opened up this connection and it stirred something in my soul. And so that pure part really is kind of, I draw back on because mm. it wasn't, it felt pure um, because yeah. it wasn't system wise. But then once I started going to church, doing the things that, uh, good Christians do learning discipleship, Bible study, you know, all those things. What I found was things from my family that I had learned to do peacemaking, be the good girl, say the mm. right things, don't make waves. All that really worked well in Christianity. Right. And in, in fact, even better, you know? <laughs> and so, so I kind of transition just straight in there. Oh, yeah. it was easy. It was totally easy. <laughs> and so I would say that I really became like a super good Christian woman and yeah. really built a big identity around it. I mean, it wasn't like right away, but I went to a conservative Christian college, even though that wasn't my denomination. It was Church of Christ, Pepperdine. Right single mom, family, no money, big scholarship, and just kind of in this culture. And, you know, you do that, you adapt mm -hmm. to cultures. And especially when you're a peacemaker, you know, uh, use, adult child of an alcoholic, used to doing what other people are doing and kind of mirroring that. And so it was really easy for me. It was not hard. And I liked it. I liked belonging. I liked mm. being affiliated with a group. I liked clear boundaries. I liked right and wrong. And I kind of went all in. I always say, you know, I kind of came from this and then I had my super narrow years. And my husband is interesting because he, his mom, he's from El Salvador. So he immigrated here when he was four. And um, so came from, his mom had been converted by missionaries in El Salvador. And so it's very, uh, a fundamentalist dream really. And so, but Jose wasn't like that, but he always went to church, like drunk all weekend, crawl your way to church. <laughs> and, um, so that was a little bit like we, when we got married, we kind of adopted that same stream right. and, uh, and really did well at it, to be honest. I mean, we were that good looking kind of Christian family with those little kids dressed cute and going to Bible study and hosting things. And, uh, we both, we both kind of bought in, but yeah. the interesting part, a little more for me than him is that I had something going on inside where I was really struggling with loneliness, mm. insecurity, shame, things that had happened to me in my past, things I had done in my past that were not integrated at all. Right. And so that split is so real for so many of us. And so really my daughter, my daughter is uh, 27. And so she, so it was about 27 years ago that things really started happening for me oh. because I kind of hit this place in my journey through um, a, kind of a therapy 
not, not therapy, not Bible study group that a friend of mine who was, you know, kind of ahead of her time was Mm. facilitating. And it was where women were being honest about our relationship with God and with other people and mostly with ourselves. And that was where my true story of my family, my past, like what my doubts, my fears, insecurity, loneliness, all that. I started to tell the truth. Mm. And when that happened, it was like something opened up and I started to see that um, all around me was dishonesty. Mm. Yeah. And that the authenticity that I was experiencing in the group was really healing. It was really scary. And I would say back then I was not deconstructed um, because I was still in those systems, but something started stirring. And the reason I bring that up is I kind of lived that way for a long time. Every church after that didn't really like us doing that, that church, that group got kicked out of the church for not using right. the Bible enough. You know, we were kind of seen as the touchy feely, you know, oh, when are they going to quit talking about themselves? When the truth is marriages were saved, people were um, healing from sexual abuse, passing. I mean, so many things happened in yeah. that season. Wow. And so my work really since then was always kind of creating those spaces and um, with resistance every time, yeah. every system. There's like not a like honesty. whitewashed kind of need for a lot of churches, not all churches by any means, but it feels like a lot of churches are quite happy to have the appearance of everything being fine even if it is detrimental, like when I traveled and spoke in churches, I mean, I was traveling in hundreds and hundreds of churches meeting. So obviously met loads of pastors and the amount of people that I would expose to uh, as a pastor kind of go, Hey, you kind of see that like, you know, you're very much restricting people getting better by making sure that there's no room for error. Um, and they would basically go, yeah, that's okay. We don't want the error. You know, and so there's this thing of like, if you have a group that's exposing that this couple, uh, there's an affair in that marriage and they, and, and then you're healing it and actually, God, that's wonderful because otherwise it's going to go to shit anyway, right? Right, um, exactly. But we don't want you to bring up, uh, bring out the fact or bring up the fact that this couple, there was an affair in their marriage and it's not all rosy and perfect and it's a good family. And like, there's this weird dynamic in the church where we're almost willing to avoid healing if it looks messy um, that I, I've experienced. And, and I don't know if, if that's maybe um, ties in partly to kind of the res, res, What do you think it was that the church didn't like about, you know, you mentioned it's like touchy feely. It's a bit emotional. It's not enough Bible based, but it just feels like such a bad excuse. right? <laughs> you know, terrible. It's terrible. terrible because what it does. And I mean, this is where I still feel mo- more passionate than ever is that it really creates unhealthy people. Mm. And so that are playing a game with real lives and their real lives and their yeah. souls. I mean, so many people I know in evangelicalism that their souls shriveled because there really was not an integration of all parts of us. And so it really was a split and it's super binary. You know, it's totally dualistic thinking, all the things that, you know, now is kind of more out there in the world. Mm. Um, But the either or and the, you know, squeeze sin out of you, pray harder, (laughs) trust God more. Something's wrong with you in your faith if you're struggling 
And that is just every direction. And then as uh, women, men have their own um, issues that the way Christian Christianity kind of frames masculinity and all kinds of things. But as Christian women, I mean, there is zero value on voice, on strength, on uh, any kind of healthy power, you know, any of those things. And so if you don't play the game well, um, you lose in that system and people who know how to play it. And I did for a while, you know, I do know how to play it. I could still adapt if I didn't have integrity. Um, I could just to get more people to know you or whatever Mm -hmm. to play in certain circles. I mean, I refuse to, because it's just, it's a bad system. I think it's a dirty, rotten system Mm. and, um, it does not, um, bring forth good fruit and health. For the most part, if I knew a ton of like super really healthy, integrated, um, uh, modeling a a whole person in that system, I'd be more drawn to it now. But I just see the opposite all the time. And I experience that personally. And then, you know, the the short story is that I kind of just kept creating those spaces I eventually, my master's degree is in organizational development management. And so it's okay. like on healthy systems. And I got that before you just I not see it then. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, and I never really did anything with it. But it was a non-Christian thing. And it was at the beginning of my career. And then I got married and had babies and became a good Christian and all those things. Mm. And so I went to Denver seminary working on a, a counseling degree, um, a long time ago, 2002. And when I did, I realize I'm a terrible counselor too, because I don't, I don't really, I'm not that good at just 50 minutes and that's it. Personally, I love therapy. It's a great thing. I refer people there all the time, but I'm more of a connector to community. Mm. And so I did spiritual direction there. I got a certificate there. Right in that time, I got asked by a friend to come on to a big church staff. And what's fascinating about it and what I like to mention is that I thought he was asking me if I knew a guy because <laughs> that's, that's what's so embedded in us. Right. You know, yeah. This is what's embedded in us. And that was now, wow. you know, 17 years ago. And I remember him going, no, I want you for wow. to be a care pastor. And I was like, what? You know, it was just out of the realm of what I thought, you know, I was yeah. kind of carving my way doing healing ministry in a church doing the best I could. And so I ended up, it's a long story, but I went on the church staff. It took a year before that all really came together with my family. And um, I will tell you, it was the beginning of the end for me. Mm. And, um, and I actually really loved my job and I was grateful for the opportunity, but I was the only female on an all male team and I got my voice and I got it stronger. I kind of got in my zone on healing and community. I mean, that's what I have been doing for a long time. Sure. And I'll just be honest. I mean, the curtain opened and we saw behind the curtain and it's a power nightmare. And, And it's a misogynistic, unhealthy, disparate, ego-driven, money-driven, resource-driven machine. And it, you know, and my, my thing about it was it's a lot of people on the outside don't know, you know, they go and they're getting inspired and it feels good. I know what happened on the inside. I know that what I experienced personally and what happens to so many, I'm sure listening is that once you, once you push on a system, 
you're out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It's just, Once you start it's revealing just, that. <laughs> yeah, you're out. And so, um, I, what was good for me and what I'm really thankful for, something happened in me. I think it was like all those years. So I've been, you know, I've been doing 12 step work for a long time, mm. recovery, those kinds of things. And I just sort of, it came together and I stood on tables and I said all the things that needed to be said about power. It didn't change one thing, trust me. Mm. Um, and if people would have looked at me, they'd be like, what in the hell is she doing? Stop. You know, this is, a, they're mm. not going to change. But for me personally, <laughs> it was so helpful because I said everything I needed to say. Yeah. And then I lost my job. You know, that's what yeah. happens. And, but it, it, it got me out and that's really where faith shift started. So that mm. was um, 14 years, 14 and a half years ago. Wow. And when that happened, what came out of it is that um, I realized that the everything I believed didn't make any sense anymore. Everything I had submitted myself wow. to didn't matter anymore. And you know what happens is when you, this is in faith shift, when you lose your beliefs, about the Bible, about the church, about God, about Jesus, about whatever, um, you really underneath lose the structures that support those beliefs because yeah. structures are built on beliefs. And then when you lose the structures, you lose the relationships that are part of those structures. Yeah. And that's a really painful thing. I, I like my friends, you know, yeah, but you're, absolutely. you're on the out. And then when you lose your relationships, a lot of us lose our identity and that's what happened to me is I lost my identity as a good wow. Christian woman, as a faithful follower, as somebody who played nice. I mean, everybody liked me a lot more when I played nice. But I will say losing that identity has been the very best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it is nice to be accepted and loved. But when you are accepted and loved for being something false... There's this, you you come home and you um I often use the language that it's not work, it doesn't work as well in COVID world, but when you when you get come home and you take your mask that you've been wearing to church, you take that off. Um, wear masks, people. Um, but you take the mask <laughs> off and it's glowing with love and acceptance. And you put it down and you realize, oh, the mask is glowing with love and acceptance. I don't feel loved and accepted. And it, even in the midst of being rejected by the many. Um, because I take the mask off, just receiving a few people's love for being truly who I am now, even if I'm standing on the table going, this whole thing's a sham, right? If only one person goes, wow, you go, Phil, yeah. Um, that is a feeling you can't describe because you haven't experienced it in years, maybe in, in a few contexts in a subcategory somewhere where you felt you could be yourself. But on the whole within church, you can't be yourself and receive that love and affection um, and acceptance if you're starting to wonder about these yeah. systems question these beliefs you know and um and so even if as a, a painful thing it, it, i think what you're saying there is very true for the vast majority it's still a beautiful and very um exciting and um invigorating uh, experience as well, even in the pain of losing all those things. Yeah, it really can be, but it's, it's rough and mm -hmm. a piece of faith shift, writing faith shift. So faith shift came out in 2014. And so, you know, it's a big piece. I'm just, I'm just kind of underground a little bit. I mean, my, my, uh, work has always been like highly relational, intimate, just yeah. not like throwing stuff out to the world. So, 
Um, but I will say, I mean, it's great to be on this show and, and share with you because phase shift really is a tool. It's a framework to help give language for some people mm. that are trying to find their way. And so there were a lot of memoirs. There were lots of great stories. I was so thankful. I mean, that's how I, I when we we bombed out of big church, we planted the refuge, which is the, uh, it's a Christian community and mission center that I co-pastor still. So we're, we've sure. lasted and it is where everybody believes so many different things. I mean, we gather around shared values, not shared beliefs. It looks so different. It's not just a progressive church with a cool little twist. I mean, it really is a whole different system, yeah. wow. but, um, it, but where about evolved. are you again? What'd you say? Where about are you? We're in North Denver, North okay. Denver. Just for people that are listening. Like there's yeah. gonna be people listening in that area that are like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> well, it's a good example. Like we don't do, we don't do online church. You know, we don't do those things because it's like, we're, we're just, we're just more relational, but we, yeah. we have an open cafe. We do a lot of things in the wider community and mm. a lot of healing community and opportunities for social action. So it's evolved over the years for sure, because we have, you know, yeah. that's a little piece. It's like, I'm not the same when I look at things that I wrote or said 14 years ago, they're different from now. Sure. But the part that is, um, that it was clear is that there were people out there a long time ago, writing books and sharing. And I'm so thankful to have met them. And kind of what happened with me is um, I, I had written a book, uh, I had written a few co-books before, but I had written a book called Down We Go um, in 2010, and it was centered on living into the downward ways of Jesus, and that there kind of was a way to live something else out differently, and it, it, it had, you know, really uh, extending love and compassion and mercy and welcoming pain and honoring doubt and um, pursuing justice, all kinds of, they were kind of eight eight different things. Sure. Um, but what I found in that conversation, I just kept meeting more and more people who everything was coming apart. Mm. They bombed out of ministry, they bombed out of church, their parents were mad at them and scared for them, their friends were praying for them. And um, what I kept finding is lots of stories of deconstruction, losing everything, but not a lot on how to not pull something back together, not that, yeah. but how to reimagine a new path beyond losing it all. Yeah. And so that's kind of how um, Faith Shift came about because I wrote this series on my blog called Rebuilding After Deconstructing. Yeah. And it just kind of walked through some of those things. And it's always danger with, with this group of people. I know I'm allergic yeah. to most everything. I'm allergic to celebrities. I'm allergic to formulas. <laughs> I'm allergic to the next best thing. I'm allergic to patriarchy. I'm like allergic to everything. And so I know that this group is kind of like that. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to write something that included <laughs> a lot of stories, but give some language and so that's a piece of faith shift is that it had a faith evolution model kind of like sure. written, the joke was kind of written on a napkin you know not the four spiritual laws you know <laughs> but um a different way and that people could adapt it to what worked for them sure it was written in pen it wasn't a new formula and it really yep. just had fusing that, you know, that's part of all of our faith experiences across everybody. And that looks different for everybody, but it's super yeah. linear. And that we long for the values there are certainty and conformity and affiliation, and it serves its purpose. 
most people go through a little phase. I think everyone kind of does. Oh, there's my dog. Um, shifting where it just gets rumbly. You start yeah. to wonder, you start to doubt. You're like, this is kind of dumb, you know, whatever it is, this is something's not resonating, but a lot of people push that down and then there's kind of returning, like just yeah. never sort of moving into something new. But a lot of us, um, have an experience where some kind of thing happens and shifting evolves into unraveling. Yeah. And in unraveling, it is down, baby. I mean, at yep. all, it is a free fall. <laughs> and, and in there, you know, we kind of, the values are, you know, uncertainty and authenticity and not knowing, you know, and autonomy. Mm-hmm. Like I, no one is going to tell me what to think or feel or what my gifts are, how I can lead. Like it just all comes apart. And then that's that, those losing all those four things. But the bottom in, in phase shift is severing. And I know a lot of people listening are probably in that place where it's mm-hmm. like, I just can't. And I used the word initially, we changed it in the editing process, but divorcing, um, that wasn't strong enough. And that's loaded for a lot of people. But yeah. I was really glad the editors kept severing. I mean, it was a no, it was a, a deal breaker for me because yeah. severing is real. And yeah. it's where you just can't, you come away from the table, agnosticism, atheism, and for sure, people who have had spiritual abuse in their mm. story, they have to sever. I tell people all the time, you have to, because you can't like build something on that much toxicity. Yeah. And so severing to me um, is probably one of the, uh, it, without severing in the book for me, it doesn't work. Right. Because then it's just another, okay, yeah. you kind of lose a little bit and then you can get something back. Yeah, it's an interior design job, not a deconstruction, right? Yeah, (laughs) and it just doesn't Rebuilding, you're just redecorating. (laughs) Right, but I think what's really important is not everybody severs. There's total room for me and anybody who does because that's just real life. But some people don't. I would say I didn't all the way sever. Um, And then kind of the last one is this big, messy, you know, spirally... um, on the other side and I, I changed the language in the book is rebuilding mm-hmm. and the values there are free values of freedom, mystery, and diversity. Um, but I would say this, you know, this is what happens. You kind of write something and then <laughs> your life changes or you just are around more. And I wouldn't use rebuilding anymore. I would say reimagining mm. and that that looks so different for everybody. I mean, some people still call themselves Christians. Some people don't, you know, everything in between, Um, but I think the part that I love is that there really is life on the other side. Absolutely. And it doesn't include really any of the old things and it can, I mean, it looks, every person is different. But it doesn't have to. Yeah. It doesn't have to. And I think one of the things that really the church has really screwed people up on is it just doesn't give people agency. And so agency and our ability to kind of own our decisions and make choices and believe some things and not believe other things Mm. and read a book and actually go, yeah, I don't, I like that part, but I don't like this part. And we were taught in evangelicalism, you can't do that because truth is truth. Yeah. And um, it's really dangerous. And so I think for all of us, our number one thing we could do on the other side of unraveling, deconstructing, severing, whatever it looks like is get our agency 
Yeah. And quit submitting to new dumb progressive systems that have the same shit, honestly. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's not good in them, but we have to be careful if we don't do some yep. of that work of agency and our um, noticing our addiction to inspiration, knowing that we really truly want people to tell us yeah. what we want so we can yep. feel better. And that's a form of numbing our pain yep. instead of just living in the raw thing that we truly don't know. If we're really honest, we're all agnostic. Sure. And no one wants to hear it. No, no one, everyone wants to look for something, you know, that'll, that'll, Absolutely. we can put back together. And I think uh, learning how to just be so wide and diverse and live in the unknown is so uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but so healthy too. Yeah. That's, I mean, have you heard of um, Spiral Dynamics? You come across Yeah, it's, yeah. You're describing blue, orange, green, right? Boom, exactly. Boom, green. Totally. Um, but Good outfits. It, it, and, and of course, within, you know, these models of human psychological development, there's a lot of overlap and, and overflow and stuff. And that's something I know when I started doing this, maybe like eight years ago, it's nine, eight, seven, who knows, um, helping people who were going through this process, I found myself totally unaware of what I was doing, but people coming to me who were still in that, they question her and they were terrified and they're like, what's happening? And I'm having these ex existential crises and is there even a God and my community hates me, but they still are driven by that need for safety, certainty, security. And so they look at someone that's being a bit public, a bit open about this process and sharing or whatever. And they go, you, you will be my new person that gives me safety, certainty, right. security, right? It's so I, true. I just I wasn't aware of these dynamics early on. And I just, I fulfilled that role. And it took me, honestly, probably a couple of years before I was like, oh, I'm actually just giving people a new crutch and I'm becoming the new authority that I should be an authority. I, I've been doing this for eight years and I still shouldn't be an authority. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't know what I believe. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating component that we, we still on many levels are seeking that, you know, we can, as we go through these processes of deconstruction, we have to be really careful that on some level, like you're talking about, like we are, we are prioritizing a level of autonomy of, of, of a internal compass that goes, okay, I can look to authorities and go, oh yeah, of course, this guy is a, you know, a biomedical scientist. I'll go to them with my biopsy to ask if it's cancerous. Yes. Good call. Don't do that yourself, you know, um, or whatever. Right. And don't get your pastor. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, so there's an, but I am the one that's sitting here with autonomy going, okay, let me weigh up my options. Let me look at different people. Let me evaluate who's a good source. Who's you know got qualifications in this area. And, and, and it is a very internal thing. Whereas before it was, Oh, the guy with the big book who told him that God said this and everyone else agrees. So I'm just going to look to that person and take it whole you know, say, yep, okay, hit me. Um, yeah. And it's a real danger of us looking for new people. And, and I see it again and again, but the danger I see, and, and I'd love your thoughts on this, because I'm sure that on some level you were aware of this and, and trying to be intentional about this as you're writing Faith Shift, because it sounds like it's an intentional component within it, is I see a lot of people writing books on reconstruction. Um, and I think I, I have nothing against reconstruction at all. I, I really believe that once we've deconstructed things and once we've kind of tore apart what we had built before in our lives or what was handed to us, there, there's a component of as we move forward, we will always be building new structures to, to work within, to, to use and, and beliefs to believe, but we'll probably start deconstructing them and then building something in their place as we go. Um, the danger I see is a lot of people... Um, probably never if if ever it's like one percent of the time 
um, people uh, taking advantage. So it's, it's never intentional. I really don't believe it is intentional. Maybe, maybe again, very small percentage taking advantage of that need in people to find an authority that will tell them what to do now. So it's like, oh, I've deconstructed. Let me tell you how to reconstruct. And my problem with reconstruction on some level, and, and it might have played in even maybe in your concept of rebuilding, is, is there's this concept of I'm, I'm going back to what I took apart and I'm doing it better. I'm doing that same thing better. I'm reconstructing Christianity. I'm rebuilding my faith in Jesus or my faith in this type of God or in this, you know, and it's very prescriptive. Um, it is a, oh, you deconstructed this, this, and this about Christianity. So now you can rebuild this, this, and this about Christianity. There's not a room for you to go, well, actually, you might not like Christianity at all anymore. And that's okay. It, it, mm -hmm. you, it's too toxic for that's you. Right. Your experience of it was too much that you're going to have to explore God in a different, new, fresh way, whatever that looks like. Was that something as you were writing Faith Shift, you were kind of aware there's a real danger of me being over-prescriptive. There's a danger of me, um, again, not intentionally at all. I don't think anyone does it. I know I didn't do it for the few years I did it. Um, there's a danger of me almost telling people what they should believe or how to believe or what core values they should pick up and run with. Um, and that people may well, a good portion of people will just go, great, a book tells me what to do now. I'm, I'm fine. And actually you're holding people back from growing rather than facilitating that growth. And, and if you were aware of that, how did you go about it? Or maybe um, or maybe there's some lessons learned there where you didn't do it as well. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, but well, do you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah, it's super interesting because I, you know, I tried to go with what I'm allergic to mm. personally. And so I can't do prescriptive in general. I just can't. And so, um, and at the end of the day, I mean, I still consider myself a follower of Jesus. I do co-pastor and facilitate space and do things for um, growth, you know, in our community. Yeah. But I don't believe so many of the things that I used to believe. And I, I mean, there's so many things I don't know. I mean, I truly don't know. And so the danger is, is to go, but we still know this because right. we don't. And so, but I think what we can do, and I think the framework and where, um, you know, kind of the way that, that phase shift was written and the biggest section is on um, the pain of unraveling. So it's like kind of divided in thirds. So the first third is just honoring kind of where we've been and some of the things related to shifting and returning. Then the middle is really all about the pain and blood and guts of unraveling because it's a really brave thing to do. Yeah, it is. And I think what's really important is that, it, it, that shifting is one thing. So shifting has, it's just like tweaking a few things is one thing and lots of people do it. And that's really not my zone of just tweaks. And so unraveling is out of our control. Yeah. It's beyond us. And so really, I want to start the book there, but you know, you had to provide some context, but it's like, it's beyond me. I mean, I can't go back if I tried. I couldn't yeah. adapt if I worked, did everything I had in me to do it because I don't believe those things. And yeah. I believe in inclusivity and I have a lot of questions about the Bible. I think the whole container of Christianity is really jacked up. You know, uh, 
on and on and on. There's a lot of things I just couldn't like put myself back in. Mm. And so unraveling is beyond us. Um, and then the last part, there's a piece of memory. The last part is really on, again, I would change it. It's rebuilding. That was sure. a long time ago, but you know, it's was reimagining. And so what's there isn't prescriptive because, um, it looks so different for every person mm -hmm. and we've got to understand that. I mean, this is a huge part as we look around and we go, Oh, they became Episcopalian. Let me do that now. You know, yeah. that's more inclusive or, you know, and it looks, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That can be a yeah. great thing for a certain person, but it's not what everybody should do. Yeah. And what all of us, in my opinion, should do is consider how, if we want to, so some people don't, and yeah. no problem. You're going to be fine. That's my opinion. You're going to be fine. It's just going to look different. But I do want to acknowledge for the people, I say this in patient, if you're done, like, don't keep going in this book. Yeah. Because it's okay to be right where you are. And I know plenty of people who stopped there. They might've picked it up later. They might've never come sure. back. But reimagining is for people that do feel that longing and that yeah. stirring for spiritual things. They do. And, you know, I couldn't turn that off. If I tried, I just, I tried to be a bunch of different things. I explored mm. a bunch of different things and that's just not me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think over here in reimagining, you know, some of the things are like honoring what we've lost huge piece. We all lose so much. And then um, uh, celebrating what was, I mean, there was, my past wasn't all bad. There were mm -hmm. things that I'm thankful for. There's a lot of toxicity and bad things that really, you know, damaged me, but there were positives too. community yep. and knowledge and desire and the downward mm -hmm. ways of Jesus for me, even though they didn't really teach it, I did get that. Um, and then, you know, discovering what remains and that looks different for everybody. And so discovering what remains for one person might be Jesus and for another thing that there's love in the world, you yeah. know, it looks different for every person. Yeah. Um, and then finding, this is a really important thing is finding what does work. And, you know, we were taught in evangelicalism and certainly fundamentalism, you know, no, this is what works. Bible reading works and, you right. know, going to church, right? you know, worship works, prayer works. No, there are so many spiritual practices that mm -hmm. are way beyond, you know, Christianity does not have the market cornered on growth <laughs> in the world, you know, and so creativity and um, uh, expression, you know, for sure, I kind of group things into love and beauty and justice mm. because I think that people really are drawn to those things yeah. in different ways and those to me are soul practices that are you know I would call them spiritual but you can call them whatever you want they they help us yeah move in the world and become he and heal us and do, it's outward also yeah. because I'm not really into just inward I think inward is helpful and we need to do that work, but it really is so that it's flowing out of us and we're constantly growing, um, igniting passions. I mean, for a lot of us, we just were, if it served the church, if it served the system, do it, but anything yeah. outside of that, you know, it's off limits. And then just trusting the path, our paths all look different. There's not one road and it's a, it's a wide, you know, open space. And, um, and it, that we, some of us want a road and if some of us choose a road, you know, we're not bad people to choose a road. I felt that sometimes. And I always wonder, you know, people listening, 
because I am still pastoring, you know, I am still in a community that has Christian roots. And, um, and so, you know, that sometimes those of us who do that are like sellouts or, you know, and (laughs) I, I've had to own, like, this is just me. Um, and, but I don't, I'm not in that system saying, this is what I know. This is what's true. Da, 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 da. You know, sure. I, everything is kind of my best shot. And I think if you give a bunch of people, this is true at the refuge, if you give a bunch of people a chance to do that together. Mm. Um, and we have a really egalitarian, inclusive, like everybody can lead, everybody can share. Everyone has mm. gifts to bring a lot of spiritual show and tell and tons of people who are connected to the refuge don't identify as Christian mm. anymore. And, um, and no one's like trying to get them to kind of put something back together. And we all have something to learn from each other. And then we can kind of go, yeah, that was really helpful to me. Or no, that's not, it doesn't resonate, you know, learning. I think that's a more important skill to teach people. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I can't even fathom how to begin. I mean, that's like herding cats in my mind. Um, you know, this is something that fascinates me so much because this is talk about integrating our, you know, our prior stages and things like that. And we talk about maybe like um, that first stage of, of uh, finding security and certainty within the church. And a lot of us come from backgrounds where that was really needed. We probably wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't find a very healthy. Uh, and again, I say healthy with a, a lot of looseness to it and a lot of toxicity hidden away in it. But but for where you were at the time, you know, if you come out of prison um, and through a prison ministry end up in church, that might be a really, really, really great thing. You know, or if you're an, an addict and you find yourself coming into an evangelical church, might be a really helpful stepping stone on the journey. Might be where you end up as well. I, I, that's cool. But there's some components of what church was to us in the past that is great. It, it really does provide some component of teaching us, of, of, of giving us a platform to stand on as we keep moving forwards, whatever it is. And, and so my point being, there's some of that stuff that we want to build moving forwards. I mean, we want some uh, stability in life. Maybe we want some community, certainly community. And so you look at building community and and this is the thing. So I I give you a bit of backstory of how my brain is working on this is I had so many people messaging me going, Phil, I'm in Denver. Do you know anyone else in Denver? And I'm like, yeah, I probably talked to a few people. I can't think who, Uh, let me get back to you if I remember, but uh, sorry. Like, and I'm talking to hundreds of people a week and I spend all my week talking to people online Mm. and chatting with them about their journeys but I can't remember. And then someone's like, oh, what about in Paris? Or do you know anyone in London? Do you know someone in Chile? And I'm like, yes. And occasionally I'd be able to connect a couple of people, but that was about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a website. And I was like, this is it, right? Kathy, I'm about to solve the world's problems. And so <laughs> I'm going to make a website. It's just a big map of the world, a Google map. You log in. Um, it's private for just people that are logged in. I'm going to kind of assume most people aren't terrible. And you put in your city, your country, your name, and that's it. And then if there's other people in that city, you can see each other and message each other. And I was like, I've done it, right? Because this is the biggest, fastest moving spiritual movement in the Western world um, is people coming out of church. Um, It's the fastest moving, it's it's over 2000 people a day coming out of the church in America that still hold faith of some sort of spirituality. That's crazy. And yet we can't find one another. And I'm like, this is going to be great. So if people join here and there, and it's mostly my audience that are, because I don't have a huge audience. Um, I'm like you, I work very relationally. I sit and message people all day and like, you know, I'm not growing some huge thing. That's not interesting to me. Um, 
And what I found is that I had someone message me at one point and they're like, hey, Phil, I'm in LA and I was on your website and well, the Deconstruction Network and I've, I've found there's like 18 people in LA and now this is amazing. And I messaged them all and uh, none of them are really where I'm at. And I'm just like wondering if you know anyone else in LA. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it suddenly revealed to me that I haven't, believe it or not, I didn't manage to solve the world's problems. Um, but <laughs> it's this thing of like, we still on some level, again, this might be um, an early stage thing. Maybe as we mature, we become a bit less uh, uh, black and white dualistic about this approach. But on some level, if you start deconstructing, you still as a community, uh, your idea of a community is, oh, but I, I want to worship together or, oh, I want to pray together, or whatever, and then you get together with five other people that are deconstructing, and they're like, oh, well, I hate worship music, it's just disgusting, it triggers me, I just don't get it, it's not interesting to me, and another one goes, well, I don't, I'm not interested in prayer, I don't even see God as a person, you know, you could interact with on that level, and another person goes, why are we in a building, I want to be in nature, and you suddenly realize, God, this is going to be a lot of hard work having some form of community here because if we're so going to be intentional about this, so all that, I'm just building a, a, a kind of um, uh, a picture for you of, of where I'm coming from when I ask this question how the hell do you go about <laughs> doing that like what are you doing at the refuge that is working because I am like I had a, another pastor on um, a month or so ago a guy called Ollie Hall and he's in the UK um, and he's he managed to deconstruct and and bring his church with him like I mean I think he lost like four people in the entire church and I'm like whoa this guy look at this guy but i mean he's in the uk it's different i mean he's a very different person different thing but you've obviously started something you're you're in the midst of something that, it, that is working for people and some are going i'm not really engaging with god like that and so do you have practices that are occurring that some people don't like some people do like how do you go about like gathering oh it's so hard but we're doing <laughs> it and um we've evolved so it's really important and so when we started I came out of a mega church. I mean, there were 4,000 people there. And so I think people initially thought that we were going to be like a mini mega church. Right. Do you bring you know, a smoke the, machine with you? you know? <laughs> no, we didn't. But but people wish we had, you know, but we, we started at the very beginning with, I remember this so clearly, like a whole bunch of people came at the beginning and then we had everybody at tables to mm. discuss. And then half the people came back the next week. And then we did something where everyone had to take off their shoes. It was kind of this, you know, just more vulnerable. And then half the people didn't come back again. And we, you know, I came from recovery. That was my work is in healing ministry and creating spaces for healing. The 12 mm -hmm. steps work. I really do think the church, the church, you know, could learn a lot from it, but it doesn't want to. It doesn't yeah. want to because um, recovery on the whole healthy groups i have a really decentralized leadership everyone's equal anybody can lead and you have a, a wild amount of diversity in the group yeah around a shared issue you sure. know getting sober breaking unhealthy patterns of um codependency any kind of addiction you know so that's a piece is it does have you know it's not way out there it kind of sure. has a it has a a goal yeah and um but what's interesting about it is anybody can share anybody can lead we we how do we grow learning and sharing and listening to others experience strength and hope you know that's a huge piece of recovery and it, it's always unplugged it's never charismatic it's ugly kind of usually it's not in a pretty room you know it's kind of bad coffee and just weird <laughs> it's weird um, to people who are used to comfort and pretty people, yeah. 
that's a, you know, for me, that's a huge sign of something. And I, it's a problem that I see kind of in the progressive movement and, and Christian celebrity culture yeah. is that, you know, we just have a value on pretty people and mm -hmm. it's wrong and yeah. it's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong. And so what you see in most recovery groups is just a wild mix of humans and struggling, struggling humans. Yeah. And so we built a refuge on that ultimately. And we went through a lot of things. I mean, it wasn't like what we are now and what we were then are two different things. But what I say we are now, we've been this way for quite a long time now, is that we um, really framed ourselves as a, a Christian community in that community we're not, when people say your church, I really go, be careful of that <laughs> because we really are a Christian community because people expect a certain thing. Right. And um, a mission center, which I'm not, you know, none of us were crazy over the word mission, but it helped people understand in the wider community that right. we were a source of help and support. And so what we kind of- It's so frustrating done, when all your words get ruined, right? I mean, it's, it's so like, hard. I don't have yeah. any more words left. They're all triggering. They're all broken. They've all been co-opted by empire or whatever else. It's so true. Right. I mean, this is years ago, I wrote a post on my blog called why the word missional bugs me. I mean, I hated the missional movement and the word, the way that they're framing it, but I like the idea sure. of incarnational work, but people don't like the word incarnational. So it's helped us, but what we have um, created is a hub for healing community and social action. Mm -hmm. And so anybody can play, anybody can play. And what that, what playing looks like is we have some people who come regularly to almost everything we do. We have a schedule over a month instead of a week. Um, the pandemic is fascinating. I mean, it, it, it just hasn't really hurt. It's hard because we miss in person, but sure. we're used to being not relying on that. Right. You know, we're used to just coming because you want to, not because you yeah. have to. And so we've got a mix. And so like what's fascinating about us is we do have a dinner church. It evolved. So our Sunday night is a Sunday evening, super conversational. It is the one place in the refuge where it we try to use the Bible. There's some singing, there's communion and prayers of the people. And so a lot of people don't go to that. You know, that's just not, but some people do. Sure. It's a place where we have our kids. And I met our kids pastor at the refuge through my blog years ago on a post that's that funny. I wrote called Jenga faith. And you know, how many pieces can you take out? And, <laughs> and so she came and she's a therapist. I'm really grateful for her because our kids stuff is just, it's just wide and expansive. It's just similar mm. to the other refuge culture. And so, but there are a lot of other things. So we have, nature heals. So we have a whole bunch of people who just, that's where they experience soul connection with right. God and themselves and even with other people outside. So we have that, we have a free cafe. And so a lot of people just drop by just for connection. That doesn't have anything like there's no, there, most everything doesn't have Christian language in it. Yeah. What it does have is I would say Christian love expressed. And so, but 
there's a lot of other faiths that have the same love. It's not a, it's not exclusively yeah. Christian, you know. And there's I mean, a lot I'm of not... Christians that call what they're doing love, and you don't have any of that. No, yeah. So I mean, that's the part is like I just would call it love. And I'm in the multi faith. You know, I'm in a multi faith group. I've been in the group for years, and I adore that group. It's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And I always joke. I'm like, all of us have our same problems. All of us are given our best shot. But our common ground really is. Um, it, it's, and that's a progressive group because you have to be pretty progressive to be there yeah. and to hold space for each other. But Absolutely. on the whole, the common ground is really love and action and justice and caring for the most vulnerable. And, you know, so I'd say the refuge adds a twist of um, recovery and health. I mean, yeah. people, and, and I'd love to hear just your thoughts even on it. I mean, people look at 12 steppers as you know, addicts and burnouts and yeah. like, I'm not like them. And that is a, a really sad thing because that group of people that are, I'm part of are really the healthiest relationally people that I know. Yeah. And we're always looked at in the church. I mean, that's one of the reasons I lost my job at big church was about this. Mm -hmm. And it really is um, a sad thing because we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be that jacked up. We don't want to be struggling. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to have mental health issues. We don't want to use drugs and porn and work and, you know, all kinds of other things. We don't want to food. We don't want to be that person. And so we're trying to manage it. And really in recovery, people just go, yeah, that's me. I mean, there's no story in the <laughs> refuge that we haven't heard. And everyone's like, yep. And there is something really healing about that. But I will say it's small. It's weird. It doesn't make money. Um, and you can't, uh, it's not a model. Yeah. And so, um, and I'm glad it, it, we're who we're supposed to be. And we've made so many friends around the world over the years. And I'm grateful for all those connections because it's mm. encouraging, but it's just, it's interesting how, few people try to build something truly egalitarian and yeah. because it's so messy and it's why most 12-step group you know it's just it's just not shiny yeah it means, and we have to be careful we're not looking for shiny a little yeah, bit and so yeah. you have to live with discomfort so if you're a, like a little bit shine right i mean <laughs> yes and so if you're a deconstructed person i mean you're annoyed when someone in the group is talking about the, this Bible verse that they might be doing. And then the next week, that person who's into the Bible is might be annoyed that you're like, I'm so yeah. out and I am exploring some of the practices that are Buddhist practices and finding life there. And you have to hold that all together. And if you do it because you're there for people and relationship, mm -hmm. you can do it. But if you're looking to hear your song, yeah. Oh, you're going to be so mad all the time. But this yeah. is a thing, like, I think it's, it's a really hard thing. To, I mean, I, I have such um, mad respect and awe uh, just hearing about what you're doing. And, 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 you know, Ollie, the guy I was mentioning, and people that are doing something like this, because there is such a desperate need for community um, in people doing this. And and, um, and and we could go down that hole, and I, I'd love to, but we should probably not move on too fast because there's so much good stuff um but you know there's this desperate need for that but there's so much going on you know that there's there's 
um, components of people walking through religious trauma. You know, I don't know how much you've gone into like Marley Monell stuff of religious trauma and, and things like that, but like people like genuinely walking through complex post-traumatic stress right. and you throw them in that community and it's going to be a disaster in some levels, um, depending on what the community is like and how who's there and how is it going to work. And, and so there's so much to juggle. Every time you think, okay, so we'll do that for this type of person and we'll figure out how to include this. And then you just go, oh, well, what about this type of person? Or, hey, this person has a whole other hang up you didn't even think of, you know? <laughs> like, um, And so it's just, it's so amazing to, to hear about communities that are figuring out how to bring people in. And I think that that's a, a really great insight, the concept of, you know, like 12 steps, you can look at a 12 step program and you can have a homeless single father um, and you can have a big business entrepreneur, runs his own companies, successful family, everything's just right. You know, you can look at all these different things that we might see in society and go, oh, well, they're like, you know, they're just totally falling apart. They're wrong. They're whatever. And someone that's like, oh, you're amazing. And you're whatever. But actually it's this level playing field that suddenly comes into place. And actually yeah. it doesn't really matter who's who. You both have something to bring and you both have an issue that you're trying to, um, you're gathering around and moving forward with. Um, and I think, that's really insightful the way I've never thought of that kind of um, concept of, is that how we do community moving forward? Is it less about, and I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, I guess, but is it less about our beliefs and is it more about a, a common value of we are coming out of something and, and we, our common value is we're moving forwards in X, whatever that is, right? Because I'm sure that you could even, be different in that right some communities would go we're moving forward in love like we're just all about love and we're just gonna as long as we're loving people that's fine but even that's complex right because i mean you get the westboro right, baptist church yeah. say the same thing i'm sure you know right but i don't want anything to do with that love um, and, and so it's 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 still very murky and complex i guess what i'd love to hear your thoughts on is um and i think it, it's so um it's, it's just really it's so refreshing to hear because um, I have a lot of people come on the podcast and, and I love everyone I have on the podcast, but there's very different opinions on these things. But it's so refreshing to hear someone going, this isn't a model. Of course, it's not a model, right? This is going to be different for every person that tries to do this. It's going to look like whoever shows up, right? On some level, it's going to look different if the meeting is full of 20 people that look like this and five people that look like that. And, you know, it's going to be different. But I, I'd love to know... Um, as we look forward, right, and we're, we're seeing, gosh, we're getting to the point where there's more people coming out of church than staying in, and certainly more that are than are coming in, right, because that's, that's shrinking as well. And oh, yeah. Talk about that. But, um, as that shift is happening, there's no question that people are looking for new ways to do community because they do want that. They want to have these tight-knit communities, these communities where Oh, I've just had a kid or I've had an operation and the community's like, well, we'll put together a food rotor and we'll cook for you, you know, we'll help out or, or whatever it is. You know, these are simple things that the church kind of does really well on some levels, right? If right. you're on the in crowds and you're in the right, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Um, as we're moving into that, you know, uh, I, I know that you're aware that what you're doing is not the model. It's not the way that everyone has to copy. Um, but what do you think are some major pitfalls that you've kind of come across over those years? You've kind of shifted, you've changed. Um, do you think that there's things that as people are looking to build communities in their own areas, that while there isn't a model of what's right, there are certain things that are most certainly wrong? 
Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's always learning. So I mean, I would say that that's probably the biggest thing is just being willing to evolve. So something that could start a certain way with a certain intention, the mix of people who are there then help determine what it becomes. So instead of going, okay, we need all these components in order to be this, you know, it's kind of like, this is the core and this is we're willing to change and we're willing to yeah. adapt and we're willing to let go. Um, I kind of think a piece, you know, you mentioned the with part and I think that that's really important. This is kind of embedded, this is in down we go and kind of embedded in refuge language is that, um, you know, there's kind of prepositions, there's doing things to people and that's super patriarchal, creates oppression. It's kind of like old school missions, mm. but it's still really popular. Um, and then there's four, which is really maternal and it creates codependence and unhealthy, you know, all tangled mm. up and, and unhealthy reliance and enabling. And that's probably more common. And so this is what happens a lot of times in creating things. I need to make this for a certain kind of person. Yeah. And we try and use the preposition with, um, yeah. which is incarnational and equal. So for two and four always is someone's more powerful. Someone's under over and under, and yeah. we just know how to do this. So we know how to lead people all this way and we know how to follow people this way. And this is a whole different story and it's really hard to do. But I, I think it's the, you know, the healthiest expression, mm -hmm. if you want to say on earth as it is in heaven, you know, like it's, I hope I have no idea what it looks like after this <laughs> world's done, you know, but I do know that this just couldn't be perpetuated forever, you know, <laughs> and so that there's something about um, with that I think is the best framework. That's all. And to really get away, I think sharing leadership, everyone's voices, you know, that's why I think recovery is a great model in general. And it's that anybody can play and any, everybody has a story to bring and a wisdom to the table. And so the embedded in there is somehow listening to each other mm. and we just have it in us. I mean, we want to listen and then we want them to adapt a little, even in face shifting stuff, you know, you're just like, Oh, they're just like a little too pissed off still, yeah. you know, they're oh, just, gosh, a I felt that so much, so guilty of that. So many times I'm just like, gosh, if you were just a little bit less this or a I know less. it's in yeah. us. And so it's a human thing. And so like learning to just go, yeah, they are pissed off mm -hmm. and they're going to come over here every single week for a long time yeah. and just hate Christianity, yeah. hate God, hate Christians, hate everything faith eight and we're just gonna just still hold that space yeah. because, because that's what they need right now they yeah on some level whether you like it or not or you would do that or not or recommend it or not that's what they're needing to do apparently <laughs> totally and i mean i want to say something about anger and this conversation because this is a huge part we were taught not to be angry we were taught yeah. that it was a sin and women and men too in a different way and but for sure it was like figure out your anger and move mm -hmm. through it. And we have a same issue with grief and anger is obviously a part of grief, but it's kind of like, and people have this on faith deconstruction stuff, just get through it. Mm -hmm. And no, this is our life now. This is our life now. I'm always, I mean, I'm not in the same place as I used to be, but I'm in this. I mean, I am a deconstructed faith person. 
trying to find their way still. And so we, I'm not through anything. Yeah. And this language is embedded in us to so move through your anger, find a way to express it and move through it. And anger, I mean, I have it all the time. And that doesn't mean that I'm unhealthy. It means that the systems suck. Yeah. And they harm people and I'm tired of them harming people and I can get mad about it. And it's not a bad thing. Now, yeah. do I want to walk around pissed off all the time? No, you know, I want to learn how to release it, but acknowledge it and own it. And at the beginning of the refuge, I was just so mad. It was, and it was really the first time I let myself be that mad. And my friend, and he was part of the founding of the refuge and he's a dear friend and he was in recovery. We were in recovery together. We met there. We're still like, he's just amazing. And he's been co-pastoring the refuge doing stuff all these years too. But he was like, Kathy, I'm really worried about you. Like, when are you going to stop being so angry? And this is like three <laughs> months in, three months in. And I just went off on him. And I was like, ask me in a fucking year. And, you know, this is the first time I have let myself be angry. And I will tell That's you so a year cool. later, I was like a tad bit less angry. I mean, but barely. And so I think that we really have to learn and teach people how to be angry better Mm. and um and express these emotions and understand their rhythms and i hate grief stages of grief stuff mm. because it it really makes us think that it's linear and their yeah. rhythms and so we touch on them i mean some days i do better than others we've had huge loss in our life we lost our son last year it's uh, brutal sorry. and so it's not something to work through and yeah. get to the other side it is of integrating that story into our life but I want to say something about that because it's really significant. I did not have faith shit tied in to him. Mm. And I did not have people. We did not have people at all at, in our community. We did sure. outside a little bit. Come in and try and make sense of something that you cannot make sense of. Yeah. And I am so grateful. And my husband and I said, so I'm thankful. And this happens to a lot of people I know listening, like you're in different places with your partners. Mm -hmm. And that is yeah. rough on faith really deconstruction hard. stuff. And I wasn't, I mean, Jose, Jose was uh, wasn't as embedded in church culture but when i it started to come on done for me his eyes kind of got open the scales fell off and it was he was a goner and we did say we're so thankful that we went through this hard we're going through but we experienced this hardest thing in this season yeah. where we just didn't have to navigate that and um, I'm so grateful. It's helped us so much. And my heart hurts for people who lose, have the yeah. most devastating loss in a system that tries to make sense of it. Yeah. Is it so harmful and it just jacks us yeah. up. Yeah. I know, I know several people that I've talked to. Um, and I know a couple of people quite close to me that, that have um, one form or another of post-traumatic stress because of how they were enabled to go through the loss of a loved one, um, especially charismatics, actually, um, in that there is no process of um, coming to terms with, oh, gosh, this person's got stage four cancer. They've got two months to live. That's the end of this conversation. I don't have anything else for you to hear. Um, and then turning around and going, praise God, God's going to heal this person. I'm going to go talk to Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and whatever. And you know what? 
I've been healed of some stuff that you can't be healed from. And I've seen some stuff, right? We talked about, I was at Bethel. I've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, right? That's something I, I do not know. Right. Shelf. Um, <laughs> but it's not, it's not gone, right? It's on the shelf over there. Um, so I, I'm not saying, you know, people with, that are terminal don't suddenly get better. And that happens even if you don't have any faith, you know, that can happen. But there's this thing of no permission for you to start to, deal with that right you you read some of these um uh, you know classics like um catherine um catherine singh dowling i think it is the the um the nurse that worked in a hospice and, and sat with over five thousand people that died and she documents like this is how you sit with someone who dies and this is the process of people dying this is what people go through regardless of faith, regardless of experience, regardless of what's going on, if you find out you're going to die and then die sometime later, this is the process you will go through. And and I'm reading that and I'm like, gosh, Christians get to do that in the last two minutes rather than do it over two months or whatever. In fact, some of us could probably start doing that for people before we even find out they're going to die because they're probably going to die at some point, right? Well, you know what's interesting about that is that one of our friends, so this is a good example of the refuge, came, he was a hospice chaplain for years, mm-hmm. and he brought that her work to the refuge on the practice of mourning. Uh, we did this whole thing, and it was that, that you don't have to wait until the end to sort yeah. out some shit inside, you know? Yeah, well, she and, talks about it as dying well, right? And there's this mm-hmm. thing of like, gosh, I want to, like, she describes what that looks like in people that are able to go through those steps and those processes, or at least early on in their stage of finding out or have done some of them before and you're like oh man I'm so thankful I've come across this I, I read it after my mother died my mother died a couple of years ago quite young like late 50s um and I, I it helped me integrate that process which mm-hmm. I think I did fairly well with is I, no one does well with anyone we love dying at all I don't mm-hmm. think but you know I, I did and, and, and it just it helped integrate that process to become quite a beautiful thing um and yeah, I can look at some other people in my family that have processed that and they're still really traumatized because of their faith more than anything. Um, so and, true. and it's really, really challenging. And and I don't want to say, it, maybe maybe that's not traumatizing for some people. Yeah, it's hard when you're looking on the outside. Maybe that's how people are coping and dealing and it's, and it's working for them. You know, I, I'm not saying that it's always a negative thing. Um, feels like <laughs> but you know I, I don't want to be like black and white and go that's that um because i know faith actually does help people um and there's plenty of people in her book that do have faith and die well um but it does feel like yeah we, we just aren't doing very well in that area you know giving people permission to go through healthy processes we, we we've got this requirement right you believe in healing you believe in uh death is a, a an enemy or or the flip side i know people that like you know they're you know i even think of my dad bless you dad if you listen to this i'm sorry (laughs) Um, he does listen to my podcast occasionally um but you know when my mom died like that minute like that minute he's like praise god she's in heaven it's amazing this is wonderful now there was a relief of watching someone die over a period of time that you are like oh i'm so thankful that her pain suffering is gone but you know he's like calling people he's like hey great news Anne's finally died and i'm like dude what the fuck i'm like this is not working um and so there's a whole other side of that as well where it's not just that you're not engaging with oh gosh whack my mic but not engaging with death but you're over kind of glorifying to the point where you're not able to engage with the actual death itself or the loss or yeah it's it's a whole world that just 
I don't know how we got down this uh, rabbit hole, but. Well, no, and I, I think wow. it's really significant because it kind of goes to the authenticity of real life. And I think you point to something super important and it's hard for me. And I think that this is a little bit of healing and moving through it to a new place on some things. So there are some things that don't feel as rattly as they used to. And yeah. one of them is just honoring that it really does work for a lot of people at least yeah. for now, they're still there. And it's not my job to tell them how much it doesn't work. My job is to get clear on what doesn't work for me yeah. and to live that out. And so it's really hard because that, you know, this, this kind of happened. I know this happens to a lot of faith deconstructors and this is kind of the essence of down we go is I had a friend that goes, I know all the things you're against, Kathy. I'm so clear on everything you're against. I would love to know what you're for. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, and that was easy for me. I mean, really a lot of what, what we say we're against is because we are for something different. Absolutely. And I don't think we have to justify it to anybody. I think we can live in a place where for a while, we're just like, I am against everything and I have no idea what I'm for yet. But I also think that usually there are things that we are for. And yeah. I think giving, letting people be where they're at. And so my mother-in-law is like that. And it's like, and Jose, Jose and I were actually over there last night and she won't be listening to this, I hope, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But she, the thing about was she was talking about the hope of dying and that that mm. gives her hope like, or that Jesus could come now and, and release everybody or at least Christians right away. Not thinking through like what it means for a lot of other people. Sure. Um, like billions, but um she, she was saying that, uh, you know, it's what's getting her through the pandemic. Mm. It's very hard. You know, they're in their seven, late seventies and it's hard. And Jose said something really good because, you know, listen, if it brings you hope right now, just do whatever you need to do. And it was really good. And we we were walking home. We're empty nesters. Now we were walking home. We're like, Hey, that was a decent conversation because sometimes what she says is really hard for us yeah. and we want to argue about it because sometimes it feels so ridiculous theologically and all kinds of politically, all kinds of things. But you know, it's kind of like, that's what she needs. Yeah. Now that does not bring hope to me. No. Waiting for the any minute <laughs> Jesus is going to pop us up, you know? And so- That's not your 2020 <laughs> exit strategy, no. <laughs> no, but for her it is. And so we, it's, and this is true for a lot of people, like watching, you know, for me, especially watching women who live in systems that are so misogynist and patriarchal and hierarchical and just use them all the time and unvalue them. It's really hard for me. I'm like, why would you stay there? But that's their story. My story, though, isn't to go, that's fine. I think the system is broken personally. Yeah. I think it's wrong. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's the way it was supposed to be. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a good idea, but I don't have to say, so you should do something. I should go. I don't think it's a good idea. So what am I going to do to model what I'm called to do as best I can? And that a lot of times the problem is too, we want big or we want to create something, you know, we don't necessarily need to make a new nonprofit or a new church or right. a new community or I mean sometimes oh, you God, can kill just, me now <laughs> I know like sometimes you can just be and you know I think that we don't teach that very well either and so yeah. I think all of it kind of goes to just like being where we're at mm. and being comfortable with that and not having to defend it 
and yeah. and not make other people defend their decisions. Um, but it does yeah. create dissonance. And what it does is like, you don't have juice. So I miss juice with certain people because they really like even death, which we've experienced a lot of, not just um, so close to us, but also just around us. It's like, that's just kind of their thing on it. And it just doesn't draw me to them. No. You know, I'm drawn to the conversation like you just shared, like that draws yeah. me in. I want to learn more. And, and it's sad, like living with this, this sadness that I don't have that juice with people who believe something really different, but I can still love them yeah. and respect them even. But I just, I'm going to go somewhere else to connect on it. Yeah. to different people yeah. and I think that freedom to do that is good instead of wanting everyone to be like us you know it's still it's yeah. living with it we sometimes just want to create another thing that makes us feel comfortable again yeah well it kind of goes back to that kind of uh, in the concepts of spiral dynamics I'm sure it works in most kind of human um, psychological development models but it gets to the point where you kind of on some level you transcend this duality of like there's a right and there's a wrong and I'm right and you're wrong until I'm wrong and then I'll be right. Um, you know, like, but I'm always right, ultimately, right? And what a coincidence, it's because it's all I know. Um, but there's this need for everyone that's wrong to realize that I am right and become like me, um, especially uh, those that are maybe further ahead of me, because I definitely don't like that idea. And those that are further behind, I really don't like that because you're reminding me of what I used to be like, right? Yeah. And so you you definitely need to be make sure that you know you're wrong and I'm right. Um, because you're thinking I'm wrong and you're right and I've fallen off down some cliff or, and it's all this right, wrong, right, wrong, right, right. right. This is the first right. story in the Bible, guys. Get with the program. Um, but there is this beauty that get, you, you can be set free from. And, and I know that there's maybe some philosophical problematic components of letting go of all rights and wrongs and all dualities. And, you know, I, I, I agree there are certain truths to the world. If you jump out the window, you'll go down. Um, you know, like, so I, I, I get it. You know, up is the opposite of down yes um but when you're on a rock spinning through the earth uh, the universe which way is up you know or you know so it, dualities are there and they work but then they fall apart and um but there's this beauty of when we let go of those dualities we just go oh yeah of course that's right for you of course that's how you handle the death of a loved one oh yeah yeah i can see how the, the this pandemic is terrifying for you and of course that gives you hope the idea that jesus is gonna on whatever level no matter how dark it gets here no matter how scary it is no matter how the the government's attacking people or 5g is gonna implant something in you or whatever you know i can see how you find hope in this part or that part like not needing to correct and just to yeah. go oh, i'm so glad that gives you peace right now and on some level i still want to add a and then knowing they'll grow through it but they might not right i mean you talk to your parents would you say they're in their 70s you say yeah you're, you're, well, I mean, my like, in-laws my dad sure, died yeah, a couple years ago yeah right yeah so you know you got this couple in their 70s and you're like maybe maybe they'll grow through that stage and become something new different it's possible we all do change um but also maybe not maybe that's kind of where they're gonna stay and and that's okay right so it's, it's fighting that need to be like oh yeah for this stage and, 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 and even that is like there's still this desire for people to keep moving towards where i am and it's like yeah. no no no, this is where i am and i'll be somewhere else probably in five years and that's where they are and if they change they don't or they change they do they don't they don't but that's where they are and i have to like kind of on some level 
appreciate that right it's like the people coming out of prison and um they did studies i, I mention this all the time because i think it's so fascinating but they put progressive churches and evangelical churches into prisons um and they looked at their uh, effective kind of conversion rate and, and then keeping people um the recidivism down so that they stayed out of jail and what's interesting is people that came out into progressive churches hardly any people joined progressive churches and when they did they didn't stay out of jail they ended up yeah. back on in the streets doing something and then going back in in the evangelical church worked really well and you and so again for spiral dynamics it's like well you're coming out of this kind of warrior stage it's red and you're going into traditional which is blue and it's nice and it's, it gives you safety and certainty and security that's going to work as a very healthy kind of next step stepping up into like you know let's save the whales when you were like a mob boss that's like we're, we're 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 jumping a few steps here you know no wonder this didn't work for you you know right um, so good that is beautiful. such a good illustration it really is it really is right i mean we we it's just it fascinates me but but i if i'm all about saving the whales and whatever else that might look like right there's a whole host of things that in that worldview that might be trying to get people to be it's really hard for me to go, yeah, but I get that you're a mob boss and you need some stability and you, and, and, but that's really toxic. It's toxic that you're believing in hell or it's toxic that you're trying to go out and convert people on the streets or whatever it might be. Um, it's really hard to let go of that. It's, it's well, it makes me think, thing. you know, as you're sharing, it makes me think that the core of all of it is always control. So that we want to control mm. our world and we want to control others. And that's one of the reasons why we submitted to systems was to gain, for sure for me, was to gain some sense of control in an out of control life. And um, so control, you know, this is, and this is a core of codependency. This is why mm. for me, everything does usually go back down to human relationships and 12 steps is just one framework. There's lots of other ones, you know, it doesn't have to be that, but it's a decent one for just acknowledging that we do, we hate discomfort. We hate it. We hate pain. We were never taught how to deal with pain. And we were taught how to cover up our pain with religion and, you know, yeah. food, drugs, all the things I already mentioned, you know, that's just how we cope work, identity, you know, making something on the outside, it's all our effort to avoid yep. pain. Yep. And I feel so, very attacked right now, Kathy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hate it. I hate pain, you know? And so learning to live with it is really hard. And this is why it's unpopular. And uh -huh. so this is a teeny bit why, you know, uh, this is in Bay Shift and my friend Phyllis Mathis. So we, Phyllis Mathis and I, she's a life coach and a therapist. We have a class called Walking Wounded, Hope and Healing for People Who Have Been um, Hurt by Ministry in the Church. And mm. we just walk through, it's, it's only a month, but we walk through it. And she's the one that coined this term that I use. It's been, it, now it's that more out there, but she said it years ago, this, the need to spiritually bypass. Mm. And it was just, and what she means by that is we're just looking for a quicker fix. And it's not just spiritually in face deconstruction stuff. It's almost in anything. We just want to find something fast yeah. and that makes sense to make us feel better. And that can be trying to control people, it can be trying to manage our world, find another thing to belong to, you know, and really the worst and hardest thing is just to live with who we are and who we are in relationship with others and um, spirituality, whatever that looks like for people. And it's 
hard and it's yeah. lifetime work you know it's like we we want to kind of like nail it down before we go and yeah. I, we're not going to we're going to actually be asking these questions in i think different ways and wrestling with something if we're growing and some people are going to stay infusing and they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because I want to go, no, you're not fine. Da, 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 you know, and learning how to let go of control and do my mm. story, stick with mine. But this is important. The world does need changing. There yeah. is injustice. So I'm really hesitant. I mean, I'm not a fan yeah. of just do your own work and you know, it's all about inner peace or something. I mean, the world is in trouble and how is it going to change? It's by us practicing something different in the world. And that's been my latest project from earlier this year. It's called practicing, Mm. changing yourself to change the world. And it it came out at a weird time, like two weeks before the (laughs) pandemic hit, but I really love it. But the biggest part of it is just that there are things that we all value and we probably have shared values and we probably have some differences in our values just because of our unique way of expressing them. And I think getting aligned with our, our core values is a huge part of faith deconstruction and finding our way and then really leaning into those. And that is the world does need humans to change these things. It really and so does. it's never just for us. And that's where people are like, we just sit around a room and then nothing. No, our, our families change, our workplace change, our systems mm-hmm. change and advocate. The practice of advocating is a really huge one, at least for me, like that is a really high value. So I, I, I want to call out destructive systems, I yeah. wanna, you know, work towards racial equity and those things that are really important to me. And it might look different from another person, but um, it's not just for us. It is for a better world. The beautiful part is Christians don't have the market cornered on this. You know, there's lots of people doing really beautiful work in all of those areas that we could learn from and then play our little part in what we're supposed to do to make those changes. Heck, some of those people are working against the Christians to make it a more beautiful world. Oh my gosh. That's a painful truth, but yeah. No, it's huge. And you know, I I do a lot with people who are um some form of abuse and Mm. so a lot of the women's shelters you know all the things all the um alliances and networks related to any form of domestic violence i mean christians are the worst perpetrators of actually you know which is so hard and so they're really like i you know i'm not sure most of the government agencies i mean we've earned a lot of love over the years Mm -hmm. because we've Got to prove yourself, though. Yes, that's not our gig. That's not where we're coming from. We that no, but it's hard. We have a terrible reputation in the world for a good reason. Yeah, I mean, for a very good reason. We facilitate and and promote in many ways uh, those kind of things. I'm intrigued by your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm just expecting you to have the perfect answer. Don't worry, Um, but. I, I'm really intrigued because you, you've you've said that you're kind of um, working on this kind of uh, thing of changing internally to change the world, and 
I think we have a, a, a cancer in, in the human mind of this kind of like extreme duality where it's always us versus them. It's always this kind of like extreme duality that I think has always been within humanity. I think that's ultimately what uh, consciousness is birthed in, in in humanity. We can link it back in our Christian tradition to the Garden of Eden and that's what the tree was, you know, this idea of there's right and there's wrong and there's you and there's me and there's in and there's out and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we see it at, at whole nother levels right now and, and maybe that's because we've become more globalists maybe it's because of the internet maybe it's you know who knows but you look at democrat republican christian non-christian you know whatever it is we have these kind of categories um and it feels like we're just utterly incapable of having discussions having conversations which to me is the only way these changes will really happen right you can have advocacies but you know what you you have a black lives matter march on monday and on tuesday you have a you know all lives matter march or blue lives matter and it just feels like we're just two groups having marches against each other against you know the systems that each other is stuck in or you know whatever our thinking is there it just seems to be like this clashing back and forth um and i'm a big fan of advocacy i'm 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 right there with you i'm i'm a, i had to delete my facebook because i was too into advocacy <laughs> i just can't get myself in trouble I'm like phil you need to stop posting things um how do you see this actually playing out like how do you see these internal changes actually coming to the point where we're we're crossing party lines where we're, we're sitting down at thanksgiving and being able to um, move people forward in in a healthy way you know that, that presuming again that we're the right ones and they're wrong and we need to move people in this direction which I don't know if we can escape that on some level right on some level we go well that's not as loving as what I am and I'm sure I have lots to grow but I'd like you to move in this direction or what, what does it look like for you like is it just we're going to just work internally and just see how it goes or trust that the grand human project will in a hundred years we'll get there if, if not today or how how are you framing that in a very real day-to-day -day, like changing the world what, what, does, what does that look like for you well um so i really love i love practicing i love the material and it's been really strange you know as i said because we had mm. such a tragic loss in our family right as i was finishing it and then it came out two weeks before the pandemic um, but I have been, I have been working on it and working it with people and running some things related to it. And the big premise there is that we're not going to solve any of these things fast. We're not going to think there's not going to be radical change anytime soon, but we can practice something different and mm. that it looks different from all of us, but there are some common ways that we can, um, we can grow. And so practicing has 10 practices in it. And so the practices are um, healing, listening, loving, including, equalizing, advocating, mourning, failing, resting, and celebrating. So in it kind of each chapter has stories and some, you know, it was kind of like a culmination really of all the work that I had done not just face shift stuff. I mean, it's 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 good for faith deconstructing people. It's mm -hmm. not really good for rigid, you know, people who are really far right or really rigid are right. not going to relate because you know I'm inclusive. I yeah. talk, you know, I talk about this probably things, not but... too many of those in your audience anyway, though, right? And so, <laughs> at no, this at this stage. And so a little bit for me, it was like, how do I actually live out something different? I mean, you know, I'm out of the system, mm -hmm. or I'm loose. I'm di in a different. I'm moving in the system in a different way. 
how can I practice something different? And so, you know, it's all of those things. I want to say, well, it's just listening. It's not. It's like, mm-hmm. as we do healing work and get more secure in ourselves and we can live with the tension a little bit more, you know, but listening a huge piece and it's really hard for me. I am super passionate about issues of justice and equality yeah. and I've lost relationships over it. And, um, you know, there are hills that I would die on and died on. Yep. And, um, and so one of the things though, is that it doesn't mean that those people are the worst people ever. Um, and this is this balance. So there's, there's some things in the listening chapter that I think are helpful. And, but what's interesting about them is that uh, there, there's, there's five principles of dignified dialogue, mm-hmm. ways to hold space um, for hard conversations, and then story or uh, questions that help us dig deeper into deeper dialogue. Um, but an interesting thing uh, about it is that those are from a frame. I mean, we're both white, privileged, you know, resource mm-hmm. people, educated, you know, those things. Some of those come only work for people who are coming from that spot. Yeah. And that on the whole is the audience. I mean, I work with a lot of people who live outside and live in really hard places and struggle with really, really significant challenges of moving in this world. Yeah. And so, and, and practicing has things for them, yeah. but when it really is said and done, it is a little bit for people that are um, kind of in this zone that want to live something different. I mean, a faith deconstruction conversation is a privileged conversation. Yeah, it is. So honoring that, I mean, it's really, that's that I always think that, and I thought this for 14 years of just sitting there going, yeah, this conversation is just not going to be something that my friend who lives in a tent is going to relate to because actually a, a, a more like your prison example is a perfect one. You know, it's like needing something that is more clear and certain. Yeah. And, um, and so, or just in general, like don't read books and listen to podcasts and have a cell phone and, you know, do certain things. But I think that um, a principle of listening better is to learn how to live and see see each other equally which is really hard when people are advocating against things that we value so much so super easier said than done um but i think then kind of moving through some of the other ones i mean loving is you know stories matter is a huge piece of that when you know somebody's story why they're so passionate you know, what's so important to them that they can't let go of certain things. It helps, you know, things about including and making room for all voices and different perspectives so that you don't end up with just a new kind of homogenous group because it's comfortable. It's just different with a twist. Um, And then, you know, a huge, huge piece of embracing failing you know it's like we're not going to change the world um and we're not really gonna change the world in a snap we can create ripples of better um things and i think that that health rolls out but toppling these big systems is going to be you know a lifetime of work and i think even what we're experiencing is probably embedded in us we want fast so we want it fast and it's not going to be i mean power 
all roads kind of lead to power in my opinion Mm. and so power is just not gonna say oh you know what you're right you know it's just not going to and so how do we sustain and that's a piece of resting and celebrating if I was one thing I would say related to these really hard things is that there really are a lot of good stories of working across aisles and divisions Mm. and sitting at tables and having Thanksgiving. I mean, even yesterday, Jose and I were like, hey, that was not half bad. And we sometimes struggle a lot. And I don't have margin. I mean, I'm so raw and weird and, you know, vulnerable right now. And so I don't have room for some of that in some of the ways that I used to. And I was like, you know, that's halfway decent. And we were able to say to her, we don't see it that way. And I don't really resonate personally with that narrative. And, um, and then that was when Jose said that, but it's a good example where we just kind of like did it, but it was little and tomorrow's going to be QAnon or something (laughs) just totally so screwed up and it's going to make me so mad. But I have that little bit of celebrating, like, hey, we had one good conversation (laughs) where we lived and it felt loving. It felt healthy. And I think that actually, if we all look at it, we probably have more of it than we think. Yeah. But it's usually not going to happen on social media, you know? No, it's probably not going to happen on social media. I I deleted all my social media apart from my my work kind of accounts. And uh, it's the best thing I've ever done. I just feel so good. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not saving the world with my Facebook posts, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's that's really good and i think you hit the nail on the head of the, the the component of yeah i mean at the end of the day these conversations are privileged conversations for sure um to be able to deconstruct is a very privileged position to be in and and um and yeah to to be going oh how do we go about change oh well it's going to take a while it's going to this like on some level that is an easier pill to swallow as a white male living in England um, than it is to be a uh, young black guy who's got a cop kneeling on his neck, right? That's, that's, it's just easier pill for me to swallow that this will change, give it a hundred years and, you know, racism will be much less of a thing systemically than if I was suffering from that racism. Then we all suffer from it, but you you know what I mean? Um, And, and I think, it's the same with, oh, yeah, well, well equality in the sexes, we'll get there. That's okay for me on some level. Now, I'm not saying I'm happy with it, I'm okay with it, I'm going to just leave it. But on some level, because it doesn't affect me the same way, I can swallow that pill a little easier. Um, it doesn't change the fact that it's probably true on a lot of levels. Now, is it true that if I get involved, it might be three hours sooner? And if millions of us get involved, will it be 10 years sooner? You know, yes i think we can really change that and shift it and i think we should be getting involved but i do think you're right i think a lot of these things are so systemically ingrained and and ultimately in the hands of empire power whatever you want to talk about that um that we can only do what we do and and i think there is an element of just accepting and coming to some sort of peace with the very painful reality of that but again very privileged uh to 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 not have to suffer that because I, I think I'm very conscious of that as, as I've been certainly in the last kind of year or so really trying to educate myself especially on race and trying to become anti-racist and realizing gosh like on so many levels this is not my problem and then on a whole nother level this is my problem 
you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah. it's a very yeah. hard thing to engage with. It's There's really so much work to be done and, and it's a lifetime of work and yep. it won't drop out of the sky. And it is, I mean, this is the part on action. If we will never want to, and if, if there's no cost to us, which is the truth for those of us who have a certain amount of privilege, and that privilege is different for everybody, but for a lot of us, you know, we're stacked, we got a lot of it, and we're never going to want to. And, um, and so that's just kind of, kind of back to my recovery thing, you know, I don't really need to, you know, mm. and, but really it's, you do need to, you just don't want to. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that that is a, a huge piece of the story is that we're going to have to do things that we're not going to want to. And, but it's part of our work is to be uncomfortable and learn and, and it's, and we're not going to, we're going to screw it up. We're going to make 10,000 mistakes and we're not going to hit it right. Uh, but our, our desire hopefully is to go, you know, my humanity is tied up with everyone else's humanity mm. and there isn't enough in them. So we, we don't get to come off the hook. Um, but back to, we all, have unique roles and so sometimes we do we just do the same thing every time you know we stack what's the highest value what's the lowest value where do i line up in that and so people who are protesting or um you know uh, advocating a certain way you know they're elevated and then you know the person at home the mom at home writing some letters it's less than because you know there's all these yeah. things that make it so hard and instead of just honoring that we really do all have a part to play yeah. and uh and knowing too that sometimes and this is really true for people who are really hurting and traumatized you know there's just a time like I just can't do what yeah. I want to do I mean I'm i I'm dealing with that. I have religious PTSD and I can't barely breathe. And so I actually need to spend a little bit of time healing yeah. as best I can. And then out of that healing, new things will come. And so giving ourselves a break. I mean, I feel that for sure because I'm so impaired right now. And it's like, I want to be doing more than I can. And so I, and just living with that and it feels bad. Yeah. Um, but it's just my story. And this is why, you know, I think performative allyship, and this is off topic, but it fits because it's like, we got to do it to do a certain thing on the outside. Mm -hmm. And, in, and instead of some of the inner work, and this is just similar, it's just humans do the same things over and over. Yeah. We just replicate it, you know, and we want to be really careful that we're learning how to embody a different, yeah. healthier way of moving in our world and the world yeah and it looks the change that. isn't a real change when it becomes this kind of like this veneer you know like uh, it, it does need to become an internal change and i think it, it, the long-term changes are the ones that are embodied you know uh, we see it again and again um and i think like uh, you know i think of like you know the old cathedrals i mean i'm, I'm lucky enough to live in the uk and and you know we've got these buildings that are like you know one and a half thousand years old um but some of them took like 100 plus years to build um and so you've got people that were like they started the, the architect that drew up that building his grandson didn't even see it finished you know it was his great grandson that finally you know or whatever you know, I it's know. Like, or you see the guy that like was laying the first few bricks you know like 
they move things forward. They, they, there is a building there because of it. And actually it's really significant because of the ground building. Like you want the bottom to be really good, right? You can get away with a, a few sketchy bricks at the top, but you really want some good ones at the bottom. Um, and, and there's this thing of like, if you're just playing lip service, if you're just making it look good for now, right? If you like get that bottom to kind of look good, but it's not actually really doing its stuff, by the time you're dead and on, we're, we're, we're relying on that. We're, we're, we're trying to move and build on these things. And, and I think um, there's something deeply profound and, and beautiful and good about um, helping people do that inner painful work that we don't want to go near. I don't want to deal with this. You know, I, I felt so, I've been feeling such exhaustion and malaise going through COVID. I feel like I'm walking through treacle and I live like a great life. My life is fine. My life is wonderful. I got nothing going on really. Um, and yeah, just feeling like I'm just, you know, just crawling through treacle. It's just like, mm. what is going on? And that's just some COVIDness going on, you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's the, the global trauma. It's funny, right? <laughs> um, and yet, in the midst of that, then being even more brought face to face with my racism, with my issues and going, oh God, I'm going to have to deal with this. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, and, and, and finding the balance of going, no, I'm going to do this work. It's hard work and I want to do it, but find the, the balance of going, okay, but have some, you know, grace for yourself. You're still working, you're busy, you know, you've got this going on. And so figure out your line, you know, push to it and then go, okay, now take a day off, go for a walk, hang out with your wife, come back, pick it up again tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, but yeah, I think what you're doing, I mean, right from the beginning, well, maybe not the beginning, but early on, you know, these groups of just going, hey, we're going to get messy and we're going to deal with some stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to come to the surface and people are going to be upset about us doing this. But you know what? No one in this group is going to be upset that we're doing this because we're going to be better right. off for it. Like right from that original kind of... Um, uh, messy dynamic of like no this is going to be good and it's going to be great you're still doing it and I, and I love that I, I love that that's just the heartbeat of what you're doing it's the heartbeat of the refuge it's the heartbeat of what you're writing and putting out there it's, it's really beautiful um thank you so much I'm aware that we are going and so how can people connect with you um if they want to kind of connect yeah the best way I mean I'm weird right now for sure but um <laughs> the best way is just I have a website kathyescobar.com so, I mean, I've been writing there for years and years, um, but it has more information on the books I've written and uh, sure. Facebook. I'm on Facebook and I mean, I'm the worst Twitter or I'm on Instagram, but I do put some stuff out and I, I do really care about connection. I mean, that's sure. my number one thing is just somehow, you know, so even meeting you, I mean, this is really true. Like I hadn't seen, I'm really out of it. I hadn't seen your work. So now I, I have a resource for people. Yeah. And so that's part's really important. And so I would just say, go to the website, kathyescobar.com. Some of the stuff is um, kind of, you get a good picture. And um, I do have a group. Uh, it's on break right now for two months, but we'll be back. Uh, it's called, it's on Facebook. It's Spaceship Hope and Healing. And it is a, um, uh, closed group so it's not an open group it's not a huge group and I try and nurture content in there that is specifically Perfect. for people that really want to engage a little bit more um and it is not like open posting it's kind of curated but it's smaller and um always if someone's like I just need a little bit more like intimate 
Um, yeah. it's a, it's a decent place for it, but it's been a weird year for me. Um, right before we finished though, I, I walked through the five, um, rhythms of grief and, um, you know, we do stuff like that. I'm probably going to do in the fall practicing for face shifting folks. Um, like just looking at those 10 practices through that lens. Yeah. And so when I just do a video, people comment, there's places to share and stuff, but it's not like you don't get 10,000 memes or anything. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, that's the best place. Um, so that's a closed group, but it's not hidden or anything. People, if it's they, not like, hidden. You have to ask to join. Can, yeah, yeah. And I don't just add people. Like I, you have to answer questions because I awesome. want to keep it safe enough. And I'm vulnerable in there. I don't like just random people. Yeah. Um, you know, coming in, but it's it's been good. I've really loved. It. I love the people, and I have a new project. I just want to mention because it's mm, just please. such a 2020. Like what the hell. <laughs> Um, but I have a project coming out for Advent and, um, and it is called a weary world, uh, reflections for a blue Christmas. It's coming out September 22nd and it has four weeks. And so it has, you know, it's Advent, so it has Christian, you know, framework in there. Mm. Um, but with all the stuff we've talked about, I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's all it the unknowns. And so um, it has four movements at seven days, four weeks, and they are um, honoring reality, practicing honesty, embracing paradox and borrowing hope. And um, so it's basically seven reflections on those themes, but it has practices and group discussion questions. And I'm really, I really like the way that it came out. It helped me write a little bit more about loss in this past year, but it's really just for how tired we all are. And some of these things we're talking about, like how to just navigate truth of our story and and we're weary so it uses oh holy night but i'm i'm looking forward to it getting in the hands that just feel weary um and again a copy (laughs) you know and you know for faith deconstructors i will say like some of it but it's not trust me it does not have bible all over the place and it doesn't have that but it has a lot of wisdom teachers but it does it's you know, it's for, it has Christmas sure. Eve, God with us. And um, I do want people who are tired to be a little buoyed. And if you're like me, like I can't do most Advent resources, like it's hard for me. And so this one was kind of created out That's of, cool. you know, us being able to connect with the truth of our stories. Mm, that's beautiful. Wow. Well, Kathy, honestly, thank you so much for taking such a huge chunk of your day to chat, to connect. I loved meeting you. It's fantastic. What a great conversation. I love making new friends and I have my coffee with you this morning from across the pond. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, stay in touch and um, appreciate the work that you're doing and always, Mm. you know, for everyone out there hurting and struggling and finding their way and finding freedom, you know, that is like, oh my goodness, we are not crazy. We're not alone. We are good company and in better and better company absolutely as the years more go and more by. absolutely yeah. no thank you very much i really appreciate it and um yeah absolutely i hope you make me feel lazy i tell you the, the, the list of things that you're doing the books that you're writing you're just prolific you're just going no and, no 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 it just yeah resources so many people in so many different places with such great resources that's a beautiful thing um I'm, I'm long really... haul it's over the long story it's there you not go. short <laughs> No, thank you very much. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Love you. Catch you later. Yes. Take care. 
All right, so that was Kathy Escobar. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, you can find out more about Kathy at kathyescobar.com. Um, she's on Facebook, it's Kathy Escobar Author. She's on Instagram, Kathy Escobar Public. Um, I'll put links to those in the show notes below. And again, check out her um, group that she mentioned um, that was called uh, Faith Shift, uh, Healing and Hope. Um, and I think the link for that is just uh, groups slash faith shift on facebook.com. Um, and so I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. So you'll find it below um, if you want it. Um, she mentioned her upcoming uh, resource, A Weary World. Of course, the, the book that kind of kickstarted it all for her, uh, Faith Shift. Um, check out some of these resources and, and give Kathy some love. Shoot her a message on, on social and, and tell her how much she loved this podcast. Um, it's always nice to hear that uh, people enjoyed uh, listening to um, you talk away about whatever you, you're passionate about. And so um, do, do shoot her a message if you've got the time. And um, I know that when I receive messages like that, it's always a, a highlight of my day. All right, that's all we have time for this week, though. And so, as always, the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great resource for those who are deconstructing and wanting to find other people who are deconstructing in your local area. Um, it's a great resource. Thegracecourse.com is a helpful resource for those who are deconstructing but want to hold on to some uh, aspect of their Christianity and, and, and maintain their, their Christian faith as they deconstruct. Um, there's lots of teachings and all sorts of things on thegracecourse.com. Um, both those resources are absolutely free. Everything I do is free. Um, if you love that what I'm doing is free, the podcast, everything else, talking with people on Instagram, connecting with people, helping them on their journeys, you can support what I'm doing at phildrysdale.com slash partner or over on Patreon. Just search my name. Um, and as a thank you, you get access to a private discussion group. We have, you know, chats about all sorts of different things over on there and a monthly Zoom call uh, with myself and, and the other partners as well. And so, um, as always, never required. Everything I do will always be free. But if you do appreciate it, it is what I do full time. It is how I survive. It is how I pay the bills. And so even just a small gift of five, ten bucks a month can make a huge difference um, to uh, to myself paying the bills. And so I appreciate you all, whether you give, whether you don't. You're amazing. You're doing an amazing thing. This is a brave journey you're on. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your attention. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate you so much. Um, come say hi on Instagram. Shoot me a message anytime. I'm just Phil Drysdale. I love to chat with people. love to get to know you. love to hear your stories. love to help in any way I can. Um, but for now, I'll leave you there and I'll see you in the next episode.